Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 9th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, I uh, just found out some pretty important news. I heard that you've been setting up an LLC company specifically to funnel money from a Russian oligarch and AT&T. Anything you want to tell us? Uh, yet. <laughs> Very good. I like that. <laughs> All right, first up in the news, Children of a Lesser God. More like Children of a Lesser Run, am I right? <laughs> I can't believe you actually read that. Uh, yeah, the, it was your joke. But yeah, uh, last night, producers announced that the Broadway revival of Children of a Lesser God, directed by Kenny Leon, will close on Sunday, May 27th at Studio 54. Performances began on March 22nd, and last week the show received only one Tony nomination for lead actress Lauren Ridloff, who co-stars with Joshua Jackson, Anthony Edwards, Keisha Lewis, John McGinty, and more. James, the show received mixed to negative reviews. I think more on the negative side for you, right? Uh, I had issues with the production. Uh, yeah. I did, but I think it was mainly directorial problems. I think hmm. it's an interesting story, and I think yeah. it's well cast. Yeah. All right. Well, um, the show opened uh, last month that didn't have great reviews, like you said, for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned, actually, um, and has yet to gross more than three hundred sixty four thousand dollars. Now, this was just an open ended rental in a roundabout house, not an actual roundabout production. So this does open things up a bit. I don't anticipate that anybody thought that this show would run for years or even into next fall, um, but it does make things a little bit more available now. RTC has already announced a Kiss Me Kate revival for Broadway in the 2018-2019 season. So since Beautiful is still running as of now over at RTC's other musical type house, the Stephen Sondheim, that would mean that Kiss Me Kate would have to be slotted into Studio 54 as the American Airlines is way too small for that show. James, you know these theaters much better than I do. So if you were Todd Hames, would you just go ahead and put Kelly O'Hara and Kiss Me Kate in Studio 54 now and just see what happens over the Stephen Sondheim with Beautiful? Or would you wait it out and see, you know, maybe this Beautiful close-up shop Labor Day or the first of the year and maybe put the show in there where it could have a longer run potentially rather than having to have something else go in Studio 54. And before you answer, just a little bit of information. Kelly O'Hara's run in London with The King and I is scheduled to end on September 29th and is already extended for three weeks. So I don't anticipate it extending anymore. So feasibly, Kiss Me Kate could still come in in the back half of the fall season. So what would you do if you were trying to move the chess pieces around for roundabout this fall? Well, I would think that uh, I would just go forward into Studio 54. Uh, I mean, the Stephen Sondheim, if, you know, what are, what are Beautiful's grosses like? Are they, are they sub one million? Yeah, they're sub one million, but we've talked about this before and I've written about it over at, at Broadway World. It never does well in the spring and the summer, yeah. but then every year rebounds in the fall to where, I mean, it's, it's up above a million in the fall. And what interests me about the news we learned yesterday about Melissa Benoist coming in, do, are they starting to see that their, you know, their, their grosses for the fall might not be as good now as they had been in the past. So they're going to start bringing in bigger stars like other shows have done because they haven't had to do that yet. So maybe they're going to try to continue to bring in some stars to play Carol King or other roles potentially extending it further than it would get if they were just sticking with Chilina Kennedy or one of the Mueller sisters. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So w- my point was is that um, I would just go forward into Studio 54 because the Stephen Sondheim is a very beautiful theater. I think that lots and lots of different productions would be willing to rent it in a heartbeat if, uh, if in fact, uh, Beautiful does uh, take a turn for the worse. So I would just go forward in 54. Yeah, and Studio 54 and Stephen Sondheim are within 50 seats of each other, so it's not a, a, a case where they're going to have to worry about the size of one of the theaters in terms of seating capacity versus the other. The Sondheim has 1,055, Studio 54 has 1,006, so it's they're, you know it's apples to apples uh, in terms of those kind of comparisons. Yeah, all right. Uh, next up, Scott Rudin is headed to court. Yes, to court, not to the court, because we know the prom is going to be at the court theater this fall. But anyway, the the lawsuit between Rudin's production of To Kill a Mockingbird, the new adaptation by Aaron Sorkin, and the estate of the novel's original author, Harper Lee, is moving forward and will begin next month, actually in less than a month. Apparently, the suit's original judge in Alabama, where Lee is and her estate is is centered, uh, decided to pass the case up to the Southern District of New York in an effort to make it easier for witnesses and for the potential to actually see uh, the, the play staged in some form or fashion. In the decision to pass the, the show or to the, the suit up to New York, U.S. District Judge William H. Steele wrote, quote, the trial court may deem it beneficial or even necessary for the finder of fact, the judge, to observe a live performance of the play. Or I guess it might be a jury. I don't know how they do that. Um, I don't know what this means in terms of this filmed version that we'd heard about uh, a week or so ago, James. But the trial is scheduled to start on June 4th. So that's uh, pretty soon, you know, just three weeks as, until they get things going. Now, James, we've heard a lot about the, <laughs> this court in the Southern District of New York lately. Not for these reasons, but it is kind of interesting to see uh, – the the theatrical side of things sitting right alongside literally probably in the same building as some of these big political and espionage and Russian interference and collusion cases that we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we, we were talking before about Scott Rudin maybe, you know, needing to raise some money for this show. I mean, Michael Cohn seems to be having a good <laughs> checkbook here and He'll be in the Southern District Court of New York. Uh, yeah, I think it's passing the halls, meet in the men's room, mm-hmm. maybe get some Russian oligarchs involved, you know, whatever. Yeah, yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or was it, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. the Russian version of yes, insert yeah. here. All right, uh, next up, the 74th. Theater World Awards got pretty British yesterday, didn't they? They did. They did. And we talked about this earlier. Um, Yesterday, the recipients of the 2018 Theater World Awards were announced. Of course, our Peter Felicia will host this island-inspired ceremony on June 4th, the same day as the Mockingbird trial beginning. Um, These awards recognize six actors and six actresses every year for their significant, reviewable debut performances in a Broadway or off-Broadway production. And James, Peter told you yesterday that these were especially difficult decisions this year, didn't he? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, it's always hard to narrow this down to such a, such a small number, but um, I think this year was especially hard. 
Yeah, so the the recipients this year are Anthony Boyle from Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Jamie Brewer from Amy and the Orphans, Noma Dumazwini from Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Johnny Flynn from Hangman, Denise Guff from Angels in American Angels in America, Harry Hayden Patton from My Fair Lady, Haley Kilgore from Once on This Island, James McCardle from Angels in America. The aforementioned Lauren Ridloff from Children of a Lesser God, Ethan Slater from SpongeBob SquarePants, Charlie Stemp and Hello Dolly, and Katie Sullivan for the Pulitzer Prize winning Cost of Living. So uh, if I'm getting my nationalities correct, which I think I am, that's seven of the 12 honorees this year are British. James, did Peter ever respond to you and let you know if that was a record or not as far as he knew? Uh, no, I had not heard back from him. Uh, right. So we'll have to confirm that uh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, but, you know, it's we had a lot of plays both on Broadway and off Broadway with big casts transfer in from London. So between Harry Potter and Angels and obviously Hangman's in there and Charlie Stemp coming over as a replacement in Hello, Dolly. Um, lots of good stuff from the Brits this year. So uh, a little bit of a British invasion on the Theater World Awards. <laughs> All right, Matt, it was a slow news day, but what else do you have for us? All right. Yeah, just a few stories that I wanted to make sure everyone was aware of. First, yesterday it was announced that Tony Winner and our recent guest, James Lea Salonga, will be departing the Tony-nominated revival of Once on This Island on June 24th. Her current understudy, Darlicia Searcy, will take over the role of Rizzoli the next day. Also, last night, Tony winner Gavin Creel returned to the role of Cornelius Hackle in the Broadway revival of Hello, Dolly. And finally, on Tuesday, Summer, colon, the Donna Summer musical announced that beginning, I think it was last night or tonight, after every show, there will now be an after show disco party over at Bond 45, which, James, you found out the hard way is no longer on 45th Street. Yes, it is on 46th Street. <laughs> I found out the hard way, too, because I was waiting for you to show up at the restaurant and you didn't show up. But um, but yeah, producers said, quote, audiences at summer are dancing in the aisles. And this is the perfect way to keep the party going after the show. Now, James, admittedly, we've given this show crap from almost its inception. But I don't think it's going anywhere. I think the gross has proved that there is an audience that we have been underestimating quite a bit between this and and maybe even beautiful and in a Bronx tale that wants to see this show. Um, so I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think this is actually a really cool, interesting, potentially brilliant idea for both them and Bond 45. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the evening that I saw Donna Summer, um, there was quite a few people in the party mood. So uh, certainly this could turn out to be a boon for both the show and Bond 45. Hmm. All so, right, cool. So uh, uh, Darlicia Sershi uh, had taken over and once on this island. I uh, glanced at that and I thought it was Sersha Ronan. No. Very different. Very different. Very different. <laughs> very different. Yeah. I don't think that she would have gotten cast as a, as a Rizzoli in this production. But She doesn't sing, never know. sing much. Well, she's saying in saying in Ladybird a little bit, but uh, but yeah, if you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And from now on, it's going to be known as the Lebronto Raptors. Just moving forward, file that away. <laughs> And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for uh, starting off your hump day with us. And uh, Matt and I will be back 
and talk with you tomorrow. Ha, <laughs> ha,